Millennials are ruining the world An exennial perspective Hey everyone, welcome back to season three of Millennials are ruining the world question mark An exennial perspective Real conversations bridging the gap between generations X and Y I'm not woke, but I'm awake. It's so exciting to be back for season three. I'm so happy that I got renewed by myself and decided I had more friends to interview, which I do. So hallelujah, I've paid the fee for SoundCloud for another year and uh, the podcast continues to exist. So welcome. Uh, If you haven't listened to the other seasons, I highly recommend them because I star in them and I'm biased, but I have really amazing friends, and this season in particular, I have the best friends coming that I've ever had. No offense to the first two seasons, but this season is going to be the best season ever, and I'm so excited uh, to start the season off with one of my favorite topics, so let's get going. Uh, My first guest today is a special ed services provider who also runs the educational side of her own learning company, Concerning learning, which rhymes, uh, while her husband, my other guest, handles the administrative side. Uh, he also co-runs and writes for the popular Muppet fan site, toughpigs.com, and handles social media for Lolly Lardpop, the puppet creation of Sesame Street's Abby Cadabby performer, Leslie Carrara Rudolph. And I said that correctly, just for Stacey. Uh, in 2013, they co-wrote and co-starred in their original puppet musical, Cheater, Cheater, Pumpkin Eater, which was one of the three shows produced in the New York Children's Theater Festival that year. I saw it. It was very fun. Uh, and it had all perfect rhymes, thanks to me. Uh, they honeymooned in Disney World for 10 days before going to Universal to drink a lot of butterbeer for a few days. Uh, They are both left-handed and compare their left-handedness on their first date. And finally, they write uncommissioned jingles for everyday objects like rice, wine, vinegar. Uh, Please welcome Stacey Rosen and Ryan Rowe. What's up, guys? Hey, Seth. It's so good to see you. You too. Uh, Stacey, I I think you should sing the rice, wine, vinegar song. I was going to just ask for it. Yes, please, since you mentioned it. All right, well, it's a two-part jingle. It just goes, rice, wine, vinegar, ooh, ooh. Rice, wine, vinegar, ooh, ooh. I thought you were going to do the ooze with me, Ryan. Well, it's hard to do things simultaneously on an internet connection. That's true. That's true. They have decided to Zoom from separate uh, areas of their apartment. This is true. (laughs) Which is not something that can happen in my apartment because there's only one area. Truth. How did we meet, Stacey? Uh, we met, I found you. Um, it's funny because I thought we had met when I found you online as an accompanist for some project. But then when I did a search in my email, I realized I'd actually reached out to you a year or two before that and you weren't available. And it was kind of, I don't know how I found you twice, but I did. So it's I guess all of your, I guess all your media outreach is working to some extent because I stumbled upon you twice, but I can confirm that you and I did connect as early as um, I want to say like 2006, maybe a year, maybe into me living uh, in New York sometime around then. years ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, you came over to my tiny apartment with the five. Yeah, so tell me, up. when did you leave that apartment? Oh, I was in that apartment 2006 to 2011. Oh, really? That was my 200 square feet apartment, five floor walk up where I had roaches and I got bed bugs for six months Oof. and there was a break in. Uh, they stole some money in my uh, digital camera and my T81 calculator, which uh-huh. I probably never would have used again anyway. Uh, but it was very sad. Then I had mice. Yes, me loved that apartment because of the mice. I would wake up and he would leave me the dead mice. It was a uh, buffet for him. Yeah, so he he hasn't had, we don't have that in my new lovely apartment here. But huh. yeah, he misses that. So it would have probably been 2006 then. I remember meeting you in that apartment. 
it was definitely that apartment and I remember I went out of my way to like not be late because it was we had an appointment and I buzzed you like maybe two minutes before our scheduled time and you were actively like angry that it was early you said we're not scheduled until x o'clock and here I was thinking I had been so good because it was gonna like I had to walk up all those flights oh but, man you no know, that was when I learned that you treat earliness as big as uh, it's like as egregious as being late. Well, I like exactly on time. It's true. But but especially I'm sure that I had just gotten out of the shower. I mean, yes, I, you now uh, I've learned. I know that you always like to save the shower for as close as possible to when someone's going to arrive. It's a horrible habit. But is, like, what I'm is true. that? Is that just like you like the adrenaline of like trying to like make it happen just in the nick of time? Well, I get up late, as you know, and if I'm get up around noon and I have an appointment at two, I'm doing things on the computer. I'm catching up an email that might have come while I was sleeping and I'm reading the news and I'm chatting with people. So I think I just I don't run out of things to do by two o'clock. Like when I, I go to the gym at four. Uh, by four o'clock, I usually have run out of what I'm doing that day. Or like I wake up, like today I finished this crossword puzzle I was working on and that took me an hour and a half. And then before I knew it, it was it was already 1.30. But like sometimes I'll wake up and be like, I need to finish this, I need to finish this. And I lose track of time. And uh, I know how long it takes me to get ready. So I get ready and then I'm ready exactly right on time. I'm, it's very hard for me to be early before like 4 p.m. <laughs> it's true. And then Ryan, how did we meet? Well, we met through Stacy. I think the first time uh, we actually met in person was um, at one of the live Muppet fan events that we used to do for yeah, Tough, Tough Pigs. Pigs and in then Brooklyn. if I recall, that was the, it was at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. And when we left, you had discovered that they had a Nintendo hooked up to a TV at the Knitting Factory and you were playing Tetris. And you oh. were just like, yeah, you were just so engrossed in playing Tetris. And then we were like, okay, bye, we'll see you later. And I probably didn't see you again for a couple of months after that. So as far as I know, you were just standing there at the Knitting Factory playing Tetris for, for months. I, I could still be there. I don't remember yeah. the Tetris part. I remember I sat next to my friend, Melissa, uh, and we became very good friends. It would have been 2010 in December. Yes. Was it the yeah. Muppet Family Christmas? It was probably, one? yeah, our, our Christmas themed Muppet Vault, exactly. Yeah, I love that, that Muppet Family Christmas. We'll talk about things like that very soon. But oh, yeah, yeah that, that was fun. So I went back into my email and I sent you an email on Monday, October 23rd, 2006. And you, I said something that I needed and you said, uh, I already have an audition gig on that date. And that was the end of that. And then I reached out to you again, not till two years later. No. Wow. So well, we weren't we, really friends well, till no, 2008. Something, no, something happened between. Because in two, I don't know if I was using a different email account. But in 2006, I wrote that. Then the next thing with your name on it is Seth Beesenhurst has challenged you to a game of scramble. So like that, <laughs> we must have already been friends by the time you, in July. So we should probably get uh, to the topic, which is of course the Muppets, which we're very excited. The Muppet Show is finally on Disney Plus. It's been a long, long time coming and it finally happened. So yeah. how do we feel about that? Are we excited? Yes, uh, I think it was the third season of The Muppet Show was released on DVD in like 2008 or some, it's been like at least 12 years, maybe 13 years since uh, the, the, most, the, the most recent season was made available to us. So uh, yes, it's great to have all five seasons, almost every episode on Disney Plus now. And it, I, a lot of people I think are either discovering it for the first time or rediscovering it maybe for the first time since they were kids since the you know it was on originally or since it was on in reruns so uh that's been cool to see well that's lovely yeah i think that people can introduce them to their kids although yeah. I'll, I'll tell you it's it doesn't always hold up for kids uh M miss piggy in particular is, is particularly violent 
Yeah, that uh, we had an article on our website a few weeks ago, uh, written by one of our contributors, Julia Gaskell, about how Piggy's yeah the the version of Piggy's character that you see back then, which is when she became like the biggest star on television, they they don't really do all of that stuff anymore. Where she is like constantly hitting people and getting jealous when a female guest star pays attention to Kermit and hitting on all the male guest stars and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was kind yeah. of for a trope. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit outdated. A lot of that stuff. Well, but Seth, you're a really big Miss Piggy fan. What part of her persona, or is it really just the gestalt of like all of the decades you've been exposed to her? Like, what is it about Piggy that draws you to her? Is it that version of her? You know, I grew up with her like that. So I think it's just being the diva. I think I always wanted yeah. to be the diva, the star. I took French in, in high school because Miss Piggy spoke French. Which is if that's only Does she really true. speak French or she, does she just she knows, say moi? She knows moi and vous and maybe one or two other words. Yeah, sometimes she says tray. Yeah. Tray, tray. Uh, she knows a little more French than the Swedish chef knows Swedish. Yes. That's true. But that was not the real reason. My mother uh, was raised in the, in, was a hippie and she made me take French in case I got drafted so I could move to uh, Canada. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that's the real, that, so it was partially Piggy and partially my mom. Yeah. Your mom, had, was, you're right, your mom had already planned your defection to yes. another country. <laughs> that, that's my mom for you. But I know Piggy is just, she's so, she's so confident. I think I yeah, admire it's still that just like she She really wants to be a star. She might be a little bit insecure about the fact that she's a pig but she's not gonna let that stop her she's just she's just determined to be the biggest star yes miss piggy lee as her full name is that was what they called her at first yeah yeah and i but you know my fiance said that uh i'm not really a piggy she thinks i'm more of a fozzy hmm with my What's... desperation for wanting to be liked. On oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And all my puns. I'm constantly yep. making horrible puns. <laughs> They're unbearable, as Fozzie would say. There you go. Yeah, actually, my nephew is really into Fozzie, and he makes up jokes all the time now, and sometimes they're decent. Uh, but my sister just texted me one. Uh, why did the cat... What did the cat say... Uh, to the dog when they were playing and the cat said uh, let's play rough oh uh -huh. which i thought you know is a little uh there's a little subtext there that he doesn't could get, be but, yeah <laughs> yeah that's that happens with kids I think. it makes it even funnier that and then my my niece is two and she says waka waka whenever that's he fun. does a joke now so they're like a, a comedy team so yeah, oh, yeah, duo. yeah yeah i just got her uh for her birthday the the hat hat Catastrophe. It's a new Muppet Babies book. They just released it. Um, whatever the company that does the Muppet Baby type books. Golden Books, maybe? Maybe it's a Golden Book? I don't know, but I, I haven't seen a lot of the new There's like Muppet two Babies of them. series, but everything I've liked, I, I've, I've enjoyed. Yeah, I, I keep seen, it on in the background. I obviously don't pay firm attention to it, but I, I do. In, they do bring in like a lot of the characters. Uh, and it's yeah. really, really nice of them to do that. Yeah, they have like a baby Rizzo and a baby Sam the Eagle recently. And um, Fozzie has a new sister, Rosie. Right. And Statler and Waldroff live next door, but they were already super old. I right. thought they should have been middle-aged. I was like, why are they so I, old? They just don't ever die, I guess. just always old, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. They had Ralph, they had Scooter and Skeeter came on. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a cute. I mean, I, I obviously don't sit here watching it with my full attention, but it, it's good to have on in the background just to, to see the Muppets are still alive and making new things. Yeah, yeah. And if it gets little kids interested in them to see more of the, the Muppet Muppets, then that's a good thing. Exactly. Like my nephew is really, he loves Muppet Babies and he, he I got him the Super Kermit one. So like, you know, it, it's, it's an exciting, it's like a gateway yeah. uh, into the Muppets. But so we have all clearly liked the Muppets for a very long time, but why made you start uh, the website Tough Pigs? Uh, the answer to that question is that I didn't start Tough Pigs. 
my friend uh, Danny Horn, whom I met through the internet Muppet fan community, uh, in the 90s, he had a Muppet fanzine called Muppet Zine, which um, I was a subscriber to for a while. And then he, when, when it became clear that um, zines were not exactly the, the way of the future, he started a Muppet fan website in 2001. And at the time, I think that was when the Muppets were owned by a German media company called oh, EMTV, right. briefly. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. But uh, we didn't know like who the Muppets might end up being owned by because there was some thoughts that like EMTV was probably going to sell them. Were they going to sell them to the Henson family? Were, were they going to sell them to Disney? Or nobody knew. So Danny didn't want the website to have the word Muppet in the title. Um, so he came up with this thing that was like th this idea, uh, the philosophy of his website, which is like everything I ever needed to know, I learned from uh, the tough pigs and gentle frogs. So Aww. he named the website tough pigs. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm kind of botching that a little bit, but that's the basic idea. Um, and he ran the website completely by himself for a few years. And then he ended up um, being one of the co-founders of the Muppet Wiki, which is the like the absolute best subject-specific wiki on the internet. Yeah, it's incredibly helpful when you're writing Muppet-related puzzles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Muppet-related anything. And uh, yeah, so he kind of got busy with that. And my friend Joe Hennis and I um, kind of said, well, we noticed that you're you're busy with the wiki what would you think to kind of letting us step in and take over Tough Pigs? So that's what happened. That was 2000, the beginning of 2007 that started. Wow. Yeah. And you've expanded. I, I read that you just got a new guy who combined with you. Yeah, there was another uh, fan site called The Muppet Mindset that's been around for several years now, which it's funny because they still kind of felt like the new kid, but they've probably been around for at least a decade. And uh, yeah, we just merged with the Muppet Mindset. So now uh, Jared Fairclough, who was the, the owner and, and head writer of the Muppet Mindset is part of the Tough Pigs family. That's lovely. I know Stacy also writes for you guys too. Yeah, I'm not a regular contributor. I'm more into, you know, uh, just whenever an idea strikes me writing about it. Some of my favorite articles were writing about that pyramid sketch with uh, Bert and Ernie. Do you remember that one, Seth? It was kind of creepy. They with go the, into- Where they go to the, the, the tomb the and the, exactly. the pharaoh, whatever yes. the mummy starts talking. <laughs> exactly, which terrified me and apparently many others. So I wrote about that. That uh, got you would... so much, uh, just such a huge response on social media. It did get a big that. response. So many I people also... were terrified by that. Um, I wrote about, I wanted to write something about Muppet songs versus pop songs with the same title, but not the same song at all. So I wrote an article like that. I like to do just fun little features when it pops into my head, but running my own business takes a lot of time. So I'm not a regular contributor. I imagine running but... a business takes a lot of time, yes. <laughs> But your other contribution. Oh, yes. I've written all uh, six theme songs for six Tough Pigs podcasts. Oh, wow. Um, I, the newest I, one came out this week. Joe is hosting it with Jared. It's called To Introduce This Guest Star. And it's always a riff on um, a piece of Muppet music. So I don't know how often you write sort of sound alikes, but you know, it's hard to have something that, to write something that kind of evokes the same feeling without being a ripoff. Yeah, we so. did that in the mystery hunt puzzle for the MIT oh, yeah. mystery hunt. Yes, oh, you're yeah. right. I was listening to them the other day. We found them. Boy, we did a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, that was super fun. That was, that was back, I was on the writing team of the MIT mystery hunt in 2014. Because uh, my team won in 2013, and I participated in the hunt over 20 years, and that was the only time I won. And it was super fun to run, and I don't think I need to do it again. But it was a really <laughs> nice bucket list item uh, to check off. Uh, yeah, so I remember one of the articles I just saw was about uh, the best episodes of the Muppet Show, and uh, I think that that my the best episode, in my opinion, wasn't on the list would be Carol Burnett. And that we did one, talk mm. about that one, though. But it did. I don't think it made the top 10. 
Oh, um, we just, yeah, Ryan think, and I reviewed that episode recently together. Yes, yeah, we we have a project which is about to conclude amazingly on Tough Pigs where we've reviewed every episode of The Muppet Show on like uh, it, during the week of the 40th anniversary of when it aired. And we're actually coming down to the end of the last season, which wow. this project has been going on for five years. But yeah, that was one that Stacey and I reviewed together, the Carol Burnett episode. I love that episode. I haven't gone into it It's great. It yet. That's the only one that won an Emmy for writing. Yeah, I watched, uh, today I watched Doug Henning right before our interview just to get in the Muppet mood. And you know, the, the magic he does, I was like, this is Penn and Teller do a lot better things. Yeah, you know, I'm not that familiar with that one because it's, it's one of the ones that was not on DVD before, so. Right, well, I just watched it. I'll tell you, uh, it's the one where, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Fozzie, takes the rabbits out of the hat joke right. and then they, they end up having a lot of rabbits the first he pulls out the rabbi oh yeah i know that then that he pulls out the robot that, that scene yeah. yeah yeah then he pulls out the rabbits so the whole episode is filled with rabbits yeah rabid with rabbits I wanted to recommend an episode to you, Seth. It's one that I only knew because I was randomly selected to review it a few years ago. I mean, I've seen them all. So you've seen the Lynn Redgrave one where they do a they do a whole episode long version of Robin Hood? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I just I've been watching them since it came out. Uh, I I'm basically at the end of season four, so Okay, so you've been you watched so them all many. recently. Yeah, I've been watching them nonstop since they came out to Disney Plus. Gotcha. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna run out of these. So <laughs> I kind of tried to pull back. So now Do you I'm remember the original song that's in that episode that um Lynn and Kermit sing to each other about um him still called, loving still her, love even though she's not a frog? It was completely original by Jerry Jewell and what's the other guy's name? Yeah, Brian? Jerry Jewell, who was the head writer of the show, and then Larry Grossman, who was right. the Yeah, Larry Grossman, I've met. Larry oh. Grossman, I was doing, this was like 10 years ago, probably. I was playing rehearsal for some Snoopy benefit and he came in and uh, I was just like, what was it like? And he was like, it was okay. And I just wanted more information. I was like, tell me yeah. everything you know about working on The Muppet Show because that's the coolest thing in the world. And he just, he didn't really want to talk about it. Oh, that's too bad. Aww. I mean, maybe he was too focused on the fact we were putting up Snoopy and I, maybe he didn't want to be distracted, but I, I wanted to hear all about it. But he's yeah, a very, there are a lot very of these nice people, guy. Like uh, somebody like that who probably has not really been asked at length to talk about his experience on The Muppet Show, but I'm sure if you really got him to open up, he would have stories. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to contact him, but yeah. it's like he wrote a whole bunch of Broadway musicals that none of them were hits. None of mm. them were hits. He wrote- What was the, what's the most well-known of them? Well, he wrote a Snoopy version, but okay. everyone does Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, because it's a better score. But is Snoopy, did... Snoopy is where Just One Person came from? Yes. Which is a song the Muppets have performed several times. So. That's yeah. the only song that people sing from Snoopy. Yeah. <laughs> I have the CD and it's Bernadette sang it on her episode, but yeah. it's really, it's not, uh, that's the only song really of his that is real. I guess maybe if I had one song that was that well known, I, I maybe I would be happy, but it's sad <laughs> that it's only one song. Uh, he wrote Minnie's Boys, which is about the Marx oh, yeah. Brothers. Yeah, I which... saw a production of that in a temple downtown off Broadway once. Oh, How wow. Cool. I'd like to see that. I, from what I've heard, it's like, it kind of focuses on the parts of the Marx Brothers history that aren't that interesting to the general audience. Yeah, it's all about their mother. It's, yeah. like, it's like a gypsy, except they're the Marx Brothers. It it wasn't great. There's a couple good songs from it. Uh, he wrote, I also saw off-Broadway in a small production, Good Time Charlie, which was about uh, the whatever the king was named Charlie. And Joan of Arc is oh. in it. Anne Ranking was in it with Joel mm. Gray, oh, who were both Muppet Show hosts. Who was I, this, the first one? Uh, Anne, Anne Ranking. Oh, no, she wasn't on oh, the Muppet Show. Oh, she wasn't? I don't no. know where my brain went there. She just passed away like last yeah, year. Yeah, that's should why I, I said rest in peace. Correct I be, him uh, and tell him that they're not hosts. Go <laughs> I was going to say, should I be pedantic? I know you're thinking about it. No, yeah, no, be no, pedantic. I, Am ranking was not a host. You're right. No, 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 no. Uh, but Seth, they're not hosts. Nobody 
Kermit is the host of the Muppet Show. It's the not guest Saturday stars. Night guest Live. Stars. I did read that Tough Picks article. You're yeah, right. You did because, read it. <laughs> it's because of SNL that everybody thinks that, that a guest star has to be the host. But yeah, Kermit right. is the host. Right. Although the guest star. there are other people out there who are equally pedantic or even more pedantic than me who would point out that like for example on the phyllis george episode phyllis george does host the show and hand out the awards because it's an awards show that's true so and then kermit wins it, instead it's, of piggy and she gets yeah it's not that none of the guest stars ever filled the role of host temporarily but when you say uh hosts on the muppet show kermit is the host and the celebrities are generally guest stars with very few exceptions i sick correct thank you for coming to my ted talk yes well anyway larry grossman wrote those three musicals on Broadway and none of them are. He also wrote, right. uh, did he write A Doll's House? I think he might've written the musical version of A Doll's House. I did not know there was a musical version of I. A Doll's that House. Kind of yeah, terrible. there's one decent <laughs> song for a soprano in it, but it's not. I wanna say that I could be wrong. Hold on. Now I, now I have to Google it. Doll's House musical is written by Larry Grossman, I'm right. Ah. Yeah. When you I say it's it written by him, did he write the book? He wrote the music and the lyrics were Condiment Green. Ah. Betty and Adolf. Yeah, mm. I was right. I'd never yeah. doubt myself again, except for the Anne Ranking comment, which was, <laughs> was wrong. All right, uh, so what is your earliest Muppet memory? Mine is just Muppet babies. Like, I can't remember you know, seeing anything with them before that. And then after that, I had a very, I fell in love with the Muppets from very limited work. Um, really the Muppets Take Manhattan, you know, was my jam as a That's kid. That's what I was I'm, gonna say. Yeah. I'm sure it was for you too. It was mixing, you know, musical theater and the Muppets. Mm. And I went many years with only having seen maybe an episode or two or two of the Muppet Show, but really it was all about Muppets Take Manhattan for me after the Muppet Babies. Ryan, how about you? Um, well, if if we are talking the whole expanded Muppet universe, it's Sesame Street because I like the the earliest thing <clears throat> things that I remember watching on TV at all are Sesame Street, uh, you know, various things. But um, the Muppet Show characters, I had all three of those movies on tape at, like as a little kid. I, again, I, I don't remember a time before I hadn't seen the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper and The Muppets Take Manhattan. So yeah, those were just always kind of in the rotation. And when you're a little kid, you watch movies over and over again. So yeah. no, it's I true. I definitely that, yeah. saw The Muppets Take Manhattan in the movie theater, but I had The Muppets Caper bed sheets. So I must have mm. seen it uh, maybe on VHS, maybe it was on, I don't know, I don't remember. But I definitely watched the Muppet Babies, and I I remember watching the Muppet Show on CBS after yeah. sixty minutes or before sixty minutes. Right? I'd, yeah, it was. Yeah, well, it was in syndication, so it might have been. It was in different. It was on at different times in different cities. Um, I, think I think it, it was, was on before or after sixty minutes. Yeah, that sounds right. It was. I think it was definitely on Sunday nights in a lot of cities. Yeah. I definitely watched that growing up, and then it kind of disappeared for a while, and then they put them on Nickelodeon mm -hmm. and I used to tape them all while I was at school with my VCR and yes. I would come home after school and I would watch the Muppet show just for nostalgia's sake. All right. So the next question I have is I actually accidentally already answered it. What Muppet do you resemble and, and which do you want to be more like, I guess I resemble Fozzie, but I want to be more piggy. What about you guys? When you ask that, do you mean physically or just like personality wise? Either or both. I mean, you can interpret it however you like. I'll let you go first, Ryan, while I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if I do physically resemble a Muppet, maybe you could. The personality, let's do personality. Yeah, I mean, I, I there's probably, Fozzie I think is my favorite of the Muppet Show characters. So there's probably some of that same sort of like insecurity in me I would say yeah I'm thinking about like the Muppets that I'm drawn to I, I it's interesting I was always really drawn to Janice oh um, really but I think that's because we're so different I uh, she she's so chill <laughs> and relaxed and I'm not For and sure. I've also I've also <laughs> really always connected with Sam not from a like not his newer sort of 
patriotic personality, which has been in like the more recent years, but just sort of his rigidity and sort of he is anxious and he's you know, very OCD. Yeah. On the Muppet yeah. Show, he just wants everything to be like correct and culturally uh you know significant yeah and and i don't have the same uh opinions as him but i can (laughs) relate to his sort of like no this isn't the right way no it's supposed to be this way because i can have there might be you might be similar to kermit in that way too because he's always trying to keep the show you know hold the show together and keep it organized while all the other characters around him are just you know pure agents of chaos (laughs) that's true but uh, I think that, yeah, both of those two characters represent things, aspects of my like anxiety and neuroses. <laughs> well, I wonder if there's something to be said of the fact that you picked Sam and we got Fozzie and Piggy in there. What do those all have in common? Sam, Fozzie, Piggy. Yeah, yeah. they're all Frank Oz characters yeah, originally. Yeah, maybe Frank is the, is the most, the, the <laughs> best at making characters. Maybe. Well, I it is true that he, I think, puts more thought into like who the characters really are he if you ever see him interviewed he talks about how he purity yeah well that and every character he performed like he would write these biographies oh yeah I, I i watched one of the interviews they did during the pandemic and he he said he had a whole full page yeah biogra- biographies of all of them yeah, like Piggy left home. She didn't get along with her mother and she wanted to be an actor and she had to do things early in, early in her career that she wasn't proud of, like bacon commercials. And he just has these whole, these whole biographies for all his characters that I don't think the other performers ever did to that extent. So there might be something to that where he just <laughs> creates characters that really feel like whole uh personalities that resonate with us yeah i think so i mean i'm sure jim and kermit kermit's a lot like jim but you know his other characters maybe don't have as much there yeah i don't know i don't know if jim henson ever really thought about where dr teeth came from you know or where he was born or what his i would love to know where dr teeth came from yeah me too well maybe you (laughs) should uh pitch this to disney as as the project you want to write yeah yeah, young dr teeth you could do like backstories of all of them. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Seth, you're watching all of the episodes, but what you're missing are the UK um, inserts. No, because... those are there. Oh, they are? Those are on Disney Plus, yeah. They're, they're on Disney they're, Plus? They're missing like 20 of them or so, but a lot there of are them some, are Yeah, there are some musical numbers that have been cut for, I, I guess, for music rights. But... I'm sure. Well, I think that uh, the WVHBO was kind of dickish to them because you're missing Lullaby of Broadway uh, is a 42nd Street tribute. And I think that's probably one of their properties. And of course the Brooke Shields episode is so Wizard of Ozzy that I'm sure there was a lot of uh, rights issues with that one. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I I guess that's, that's as good a guess as any, yeah. I, I don't know why like things like uh, in the Bernadette Peters episode, they're missing I'm five and they call them Win Mariah, but you can find that little segment on YouTube. So I just watched yeah. it. You know, at least they didn't cut anything with Bernadette. Right, uh, right. Who knows? Who knows why? Yeah, but for I the, don't know. The majority of the stuff that's missing is the UK spots. And I, I feel like they just couldn't figure out who wrote those songs. Well, so it's did possible. You... They, didn't, they just didn't want to go to the trouble of trying to figure out who owns them. My favorite UK spot, because again, it was part of an episode I reviewed, did you see Seth the Mac the Knife one with Sam and Dr. Oh, yeah. T? Yeah, yeah, that one's in there. Oh, it's hilarious. It's but such that's an unusual a song pairing. they know who owns the rights to. That's true. That's true. It's just to see Dr. Teeth and Sam the Eagle together is not a pairing that you would expect, but it's very funny. It works really mm-hmm. well. And maybe I don't know if we should explain, if not everyone is a Muppet nerd, that the UK spots are these uh, extra segments they did on the Muppet show. They're usually musical numbers, but it's because um, the British, like when you watch a half an hour of TV in the UK, it's a longer time slot than it is here because- Fewer commercials. Yeah, because American networks put more commercials in. So they would add one extra segment for the the British uh, 
broadcasting. No, it's originally. so funny. We we talk about it like everyone knows it, but you're right. There might be people listening who don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, that's yes. a UK spot, and and a lot of them are like songs with British origins or old English music hall songs. But some of them, yeah, some of them are just funny sketches. Well, the weird pairing thing—that's uh, that's how you write sitcoms. When you, when I took UCB comedy, that was a big thing. Like you create the characters. And uh, it's the same way that Frank would do. And then you're like, who hasn't been in an episode together? It yeah. might be fun to, like a superstore does that a lot. I feel like that's the kind of thing you see on a sitcom, like like the end of season four or five when they're sort of running out of ideas. And it's like, yeah. who haven't we put together yet? What about this character and this other character who never see each other? Yeah, I think it, it makes it for... You know, if you think about it that way, when you watch sitcoms, you're like, "Oh, look at this!" I, yeah, you can see it in in a lot of uh, in a lot of especially work based ones. I think, like, let's yeah. pair up, you know, Michael Scott with uh, Mindy Kaling for the episode. Let's see right. how that goes. And it's like that's what I think it's important the well defined characters. This actually uh, goes to my next question: Why do you think the Muppets have endured so long? I think the characters is a big part of that. That's a huge thing. Yeah, people who watch the show, who watch the movies very quickly just sort of form attachments. Some of them are just because they're funny. Like people love Beaker. Beaker doesn't really have a personality or a character. Although actually, now that I say that, uh, Steve Whitmire was the performer who took over Beaker when his original performer died. And he performed him for several years. And I have heard him talk about how he had this idea of like, Beaker works with Bunsen Honeydew at Muppet Labs all day. And then he just goes home and like sits in front of the computer by himself, scrolling, you know, browsing the internet and stuff like that. So, but yeah, Beaker, what you see on the screen is just this crazy looking guy who says he can't speak. He just goes me, 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 me. And he has unfortunate things happen to him all the time, but people, it's just such I don't know. It's like some of the old uh, Looney Tunes cartoon characters where there's just, it's just such a pure comedy premise that you just can't get enough of it. And that's how mm. it is with a lot of the characters. It's just pure entertainment. And I think people are also just drawn to the puppet designs themselves. Like there haven't been that many puppet ensembles on TV before. And those that did have TV shows, a lot of them, I don't think, like if you think of like Lamb Chop or you think of the puppets on Mr. Rogers, like I feel like the designs of these puppets, something to do with the eyes and the colors, they just really are engaging. You can truly forget that you're looking at a puppet. I know that, you know, Kevin Clash used to talk about like when he would meet you know, kids as Elmo, they wouldn't even be noticing him. Mm -hmm. They're just like staring at the puppet. And I actually have a photo of my niece meeting him, Elmo, and like, she's paying no attention to Kevin. Like there's a character in front of her. I don't think I'd feel the same way if I met a marionette character or if I met um, another hand puppet that just didn't have as engaging of a design. Well, that's the triangle design, right? In his biography and Jim Henson, there was something about the triangle with the eyes yeah, and the I, mouth. It's, yeah, the magic triangle. I don't know exactly what that is or how it works. I guess maybe yeah, it's, it's a, you a have trade the, secret, but... You have the two eyes and then you have the mouth and it forms a triangle. Yeah. And Isn't guess, that how everybody's eyes and mouth is? <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. That's true. She's the other thing, her eyes and mouth. The <laughs> other thing I hear is that a lot of the characters, their eyes are slightly crossed, which helps the eye focus like when they On look camera. right at the camera yeah so there's oh, something that's true I'm yeah that's Carmen and Gonzo right here they're both crossed yeah they just uh they just really know what they're doing Jim Henson was great at picking he, he was a creative genius himself and he was great at picking brilliant collaborators for designing yeah, I think it all characters. comes down to, to Jim Henson all right so uh while we're here what are some essential esoteric Muppet things to watch for those people who can't get enough after they finish the Muppet Show on Disney Plus. That's all, Ryan. Well, it, it depends on how deep you want to go. There are a lot of TV specials that they did with those characters. I, a lot, most of them, I guess, are not even on Disney Plus, but you can probably find them out there on the internet. Like um, the there's um, 
I'm drawing a blank. Oh, um, I love the, the spectacular Miss Piggy. I show. was just going to say the fantastic Miss Piggy show is is weird, but if you like Miss Piggy, then you're probably going to like it. It's more in the style of the late '70s variety show, whereas the the Muppet Show is more it, like it's a little bit of vaudeville. It's a little bit of variety. It's Carol Burnetti. Yeah, the Fantastic Miss Piggy show is a special that is much more in the style of like I guess Cher or some mm-hmm. of those other late seventies. The Brady Bunch. I think bunch. that one's really right. funny. Yeah, that's exactly the Brady Bunch. You're right. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Um. And then like uh, uh Muppet Family Christmas. Uh, I was going to go say wrong. that one because a lot of people don't know about it. That's probably the most heartwarming. Like. Yeah, and that's they're never going to get that on the Disney Plus because they don't have the rights. Like uh, Apple TV now has the rights to Fraggle and PBS still has the Sesame Street. I don't know that you'll ever, and then the music rights of that one, I don't know if we'll ever see that one digitally. Well, yeah, and just the ownership of the characters is all split up because it's the Sesame Street characters and the Muppet Show characters and the Fraggles are in there. Mm -hmm. And the the Muppet Babies make a brief cameo and those are all owned by three different companies now. Would you consider Emmett Otter's Junk Band Christmas as a Muppet production Well, yeah, that's another, like maybe taking another step. Yeah, taking another step if you're interested in other things that the Muppet crew made where it's not the same characters that you see on the Muppet show. But yeah, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is great. Um, yeah, I just got that on DVD for $6 on Amazon. Oh, cool. Did you know there was a musical? There was like a, Ryan went to see it, right? It was a musical? There was, yeah, there was like a, stage, a Like a stage production. There was a stage musical. It's been at least a decade now, I'm sure, that I think they were trying to maybe get on either on Broadway or off Broadway. It was in Connecticut for two like holiday seasons. And then I, I think I, I think read heard, about it, but I didn't see it. No. That was really cool. Yeah. I wish they would do something else with that. So were, was, but, was it just humans with like some details that made them suggest animals or were they in like animal um, costumes? Most of the main characters were human actors in costumes, which I, I think the costumes and all that stuff were made by the Henson um, mm. workshop. Mm. But then some of the supporting characters were, puppets like uh doc bullfrog this the character who owns the the restaurant in town that was that was a puppet and they were um essentially identical to the puppets that you see in the tv special but bigger because it was on stage so they had to be seen from you know that sounds amazing i'm sad they never got to new york yeah i I really wish they had pursued it but i don't know there's a bootleg video somewhere the story was get your hands Mm. on yeah and there were you know a few of the the henson puppeteers worked on it like um Tyler Bunch and David Stevens. Uh, oh, yeah, I know Tyler. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, it was very cool. I wish they would do something else with it. Um, and then I was going to say, if you want to get another step further into just like Jim Henson's creativity, there's the Jim Henson Hour, which was a short-lived uh, series on NBC in 1989. He just kind of wanted to do an anthology series of like whatever weird creative ideas he could come up with from week to week. NBC wanted more of a presence of the familiar Muppet characters. So it's kind of like most episodes are the first half hour is Kermit and Gonzo and some of the other familiar characters with some other new characters in this like futuristic uh, TV control room setting. And they use all kinds of (laughs) video effects that were cutting edge at the time. And then just the other half hours are just like whatever. Yeah, was like it there's the storyteller part of the, that. The storyteller, yeah. yeah, the storyteller is part of that, which is uh, retelling classic fairy tales using. Yeah, or it was a lot puppets. of Greek mythology. That like was, I saw one of them. Yeah, was that was playing, like the the sort of the spinoff or the follow up series to the storyteller. Right, yeah, I saw one myths. of those episodes at Fathom Events, and they put on the Muppet movie in the big screen, I think, and then they showed one of those. Oh, okay. I um, think. But yeah, some of those are are probably out there on the internet if you if you know where to look but yeah there's a lot of great stuff yeah and i think that you know disney plus should at least get muppets tonight i mean they own the rights to that and the other thing i meant to say um the muppets at walt disney world which i have no idea why they don't put that on disney plus i don't know what they're waiting for it's just yeah it's so much fun it's one of the last things that jim henson worked on and it's just exactly what it says it's the Muppets running wild at Disney World in 1990. It's so, so. weird they haven't put some of this stuff up. Like that one doesn't even I, have musical numbers. 
Well, yeah, it does, and it's already Disney. It does, but they're all originals. So unless there's oh, some well, holdup with the composer who wrote all of those, I don't know. No, I don't know what they're what why they're they're dragging their feet on the rest of this Muppet stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe but one day they took 13 years just to get the rest of the Muppet Show. So I guess we should be grateful for that. Well, I'm I'm <laughs> and excited. Not hold their breath. I'm excited. I hope one day they get the Brooke Shields episode because I like that, but. Yeah. I won't hold my breath on it. All right, so, so what are your hopes for the Muppet future? We talked a lot about the past. I hope um, <laughs> they keep making stuff and that it's good. Yeah, uh, Muppets Now was, I love the Muppets sitcom and then it got canceled. But we it liked was getting, it too. It got really good by the end, but they brought the yeah. woman from Galavant on. Yeah, it did get good. Yeah, they when they switched showrunners, they brought in Kristen Newman. It she became I think people's complaint about the the sitcom was that it was like too dark and the Muppets were sort of bitter and and, and some of those complaints were valid, I think, but I think it was a good idea to try to do something different with the Muppets. Yeah, it had I'm a very watch that when I finished the Muppet show. Yeah, I and thought... actually sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say we just did a, a podcast um at Tough Pigs revisiting every episode of that. Um, if you wanted to listen to the podcast as you watch along, but it, it also treated the Kermit and Piggy relationship in a very mature way that had not quite been done before. So I, I thought that was a great and, idea. And spoiler alert on a big cliffhanger. Yeah. Where they may or may not be getting back together. And then that was not picked up in Muppets now. Yeah. It's really been interesting how they've sort of just left that as like, yeah, we we're just, you know, we've, we're friends who work together. They really haven't uh, tried to, resolve that sorry what were you gonna say Stacey I was just gonna say that I thought Muppets Most Wanted was like really on the on the mark for the Muppets and I wished that they had the the movie was great it was focused on the Muppets as opposed to the human characters like uh you know the Muppets was the you know the Jason Segel uh movie um I thought the story was great. The use of music was great. Mm-hmm. I really thought that Brett McKenzie was like a perfect Muppet collaborator. And um, I really just wish they would do more stuff like that. Yeah, Muppets Most Wanted, I think, is the most Muppety new project in like the last, I don't know, 20 years. Maybe. Yeah, I like that one better than the Jason Siegel one. Yeah. But Same. for some reason, the other one got more people to see it well it came out first and i think maybe some of the star power of jason siegel and amy adams and i think a lot of people at least in our generation the the jason siegel movie was is so much about just purely the nostalgia of the muppets like yeah it's like an hour and a half of jason siegel saying "Ah, I, i remember watching the muppets as a kid that that was great back in the day when i was a kid and then Muppets Most Wanted is just like, okay, we did that. Now let's do a fun, new, like really funny comedy with the Muppets and leave like leave all the nostalgia stuff behind. Well, and they it's exactly better. created Except the wedding. For together again, again. Oh, you're yeah, right. And then yes. the wedding in the middle <laughs> is exactly the same wedding that they had in Muppets Take Manhattan almost. Wait, I don't there remember a, a wedding. There is a similar wedding. They're scene. almost wedding. Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. So yeah. I'm but like, just, they, they could come up with at least some new in that one but yeah but i think people really responded to the like oh yeah i remember loving the muppets so much a long time ago of the jason siegel movie and for for whatever reason they didn't respond as much to the just like let's do a a, let's do a new muppet comedy of muppets most wanted yeah well we liked it better yeah well maybe in another 10 years there will be another resurgence and every once in a while they talk about you know there might be a new project there was uh, an idea for um, a new series that I forget. Oh, it was Josh Gad and yeah, that didn't happen. I, I always forget their names. Kitsis and Horowitz, the guys who did Once Upon a Time. Right, right. They were developing a series, but it kind of didn't sound that great. Like it took place right after the Muppets Take Manhattan ended, which is kind of a strange idea. And yeah, I, I'm sort of glad that one didn't get made, but that kind of fizzled out. Yeah, yeah new, I don't know. Hopefully a new movie would be great. Things. Yeah, a new. I think with all the attention on the Muppet Show on Disney Plus, 
it's likely that I'm sure they're talking about doing some sort of new variety format. Well, series. I would love to write it. I think the three of us should be writing. <laughs> I was just going to make that joke. I was going to say maybe the three of us will write. I the mean, next I wasn't project. making a joke. I, I think Ryan <laughs> and, and I, we, I mean, see, I think all three of us together could write something great, but maybe one day when I'm famous, we can finally make that happen. Yeah. I would love to we'll do a score it. for a Muppet project. That's on my bucket list. So one day, one day yeah. when I finally made it and people are listening to this podcast 20 years from now, they can be like, that's where he had the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Have I, you I, ever written a song as sort of an exercise of like this song could go in a Muppet movie? I mean, I wrote a whole children's musical, which yeah. could go, could be done with puppets really easily. Yeah. I mean, we did it with puppets. You guys sang the couch song from Stanley's Party. True. With the puppet, that was super fun. That's on my YouTube for those of you who missed the 500th celebration, the 500 showcase <laughs> celebration. That was good times, good times. It's really great to be back uh, in person at Don't Tell Mama. I, I took it all mm. for granted, having people laugh and clap while you're there live and instead of sending emojis. It's it's really quite, it's quite nice. Uh, but so uh, I have a couple friends who are not really into the Muppets. I, what would you say to these people who are just kind of like, oh, the Muppets are for kids? Uh, I think it, it, if you know these people pretty well, I would sort of, uh, based on the kind of entertainment they like, maybe show them something that you think might be a way in for them. If they like musical theater, show them an episode of The Muppet Show with a lot of musical theater songs in it, or... Uh, if they, I don't know, if they like <laughs> bad comedies from the 90s, show them Muppets from Space <laughs> or oh, something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess the Muppets aren't necessarily for everybody. That's so sad. But it's definitely, thinking it's just for kids is silly. Like the first Muppet production was called Sex and Violence. Like the, the pilot of the Muppet the Show. The pilot yeah. of the Muppet yeah, Show. Yeah, that's on the bonus track of DVD for the first season. Yeah, it's very much not intended to be solely for kids that's another fun thing seeing people watching it on disney plus and and like commenting on twitter about like whoa i just watched this episode of the muppet show and what is this weird thing like yeah people are surprised at how not for kids it it can be sometimes that doesn't mean kids can't enjoy it and take something away from it no it's it's for the whole family i don't think that was the target right audience in the way that say sesame street or even fraggle rock were right yeah that makes sense I love the Muppets and we could talk all day, but it seems we've come to the end of yet another uh, podcast. So it's time for our closing questions that uh, I ask everybody who comes uh, to be more on topic for our podcast. Uh, What is a time a millennial annoyed you guys? Here's the thing. (laughs) People of any generation can be annoying. So there have been times when millennials have annoyed me. There have been times when uh generation xers or baby boomers or uh, what, what's what are the new generation ones z. generation zers have annoyed me so uh, yeah i don't know every people of every generation have the capacity for being annoying i don't think millennials are any more annoying than any other generation sorry Sarah. that's okay i call <laughs> it the millennial behavior not uh-huh. the millennial people so like anything to do with smartphones is a millennial behavior because smartphones didn't exist prior to it. But, but we're, we're on but our smartphones all the time. We're all on our time. smartphones, yeah, and so are you. No, I never use it. I use my oh. computer. Oh, we definitely use our smartphones I'm all glued the time. to my computer. I'm like, I become one with it. But That's even, because you but spend a lot But that didn't exist of... before either. Like, the internet didn't exist before. Yeah, so I'm a generation exennial who grew up with the computer in high school and college. As someone who works with high schoolers, I I get more annoyed with their generation because I don't have that much. Like my, my friends are either my age, or I'm working with these teenagers. I don't really have a ton of experience with people in their early 30s. Like you have you your job makes you have a lot more contact with certain age groups that I don't think Ryan and I encounter the way you do. That's true. So what about Generation Z annoys you, Stacey? 
Yeah. So, you know, in some ways they're amazing. They've grown up with more uh, tolerance and- That's true. I say that the in most, my book. Yeah, they're the most enlightened They're woke. Like Ryan hears all. me have conversations with them. Uh, they are, they're bright. They, they know what's going on. A lot of stuff that we had to like learn to be, you know, sensitive about. It's just ingrained in them. They just um, get it. I think what frustrates me about them is um, it's not their fault per se is how how integrated their lives are with social media and it upsets me because I see it hurt their self-esteem and I see it hurt their motivation and I see them constantly comparing themselves to each other in a way that is really unhealthy. So a lot of my job, which is meant to be focused on academics, ends up being, you know, of a like sort of talk therapy nature because I have to kind of explain to these kids how what they're seeing on Snapchat or TikTok or Instagram is not actually a mirror of what's to come in their lives. It, it's hard to get into it now, but I, yeah, I feel bad for them and it frustrates me how much they don't realize it's not real life. I think probably starting in elementary school, there should be internet literacy classes and social media liter, you know, literacy programs just to teach kids, yeah, about being having a healthy, um, I don't know, healthy skepticism of social media and also just the things that you see posted, like uh, you know, news articles that turn out to be completely not real and not actually news and stuff like that. Are I you think. saying that everything on the internet is not all true? That uh -oh. is what I'm saying, believe uh -oh. it or not. Except on toughpigs.com. Exactly. Everything yes. on toughpigs is, is the fact. Although there's certainly people out there who would disagree with that too. So. <laughs> all right, final question. Uh, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Hmm, let's see. Where was I 10 years ago? Well, Ryan and I met uh, 10 and a half years ago. So we already knew each other. I might tell myself to just, just stick it out with this guy. He'll eventually marry you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got married, uh, how many years into our relationship? Uh, almost six, six, um, six okay. years in. Uh, I don't know. What would you want to tell yourself? I mean, maybe I would want to warn myself about this pandemic. Yeah, that's that's the tempting thing. Anytime buy you talk about Zoom. going back in time. Yeah, yes. buy stock and Zoom, buy, buy stock and companies that, companies that make masks. Apple, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Basically, I just want to make, I'm like Biff from- uh, yeah, I know, I was going to say, you know, this is a back, no one in, in three seasons, no one has ever taken that question this way. Is that true? <laughs> Because yes. that's the first thing both of us thought of. We're like, oh, let's see who won. Who won the Super Bowl? How yeah, we need more like a metaphorical. If you give yourself advice, most people are like, you know, they say have patience or Here's be the proactive. Thing, Seth, we might be older than a lot of your guests, and I think that makes a difference because no, I have guests older than you. Really? This season, yeah, there are multiple guests older than we are. Because to me, ten years ago wasn't a totally different stage of life. Like right. I feel like if you're if you're interviewing someone in their twenties, they were a teenager. For me, I'm like, oh, ten years ago, I had already started well, this you business. You can say twenty years ago. I was How about twenty Already years with ago? my husband. Okay, twenty years ago. That's a that's a whole different McGill. I didn't say twenty years ago because when I had Summer on, she was twenty two and she would have been two. But well, you can say I think. You I've got advice for years. my toddler self. Okay, 20 years, let me think. I also want to hear your advice for your your two-year-old self. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, so 20 years ago, I was basically graduating high school. Um, you know what? I would tell myself to take more cool classes in college because I actually... You know, my major was very prescripted with what I had to take. There was very little room for electives. And I didn't even end up going into that field, which was public relations. So yeah, I hear people talk about these really awesome classes. And, you know, at the time, you're not thinking about the fact that like, oh, these classes, like I'm paying to be a full-time student. So I could take any of these other classes for free. Like it doesn't cost me more money to take these classes. And I just didn't take cool classes. So All that's right, my well, you answer. You heard it here, guys. If you're still in college, take cool classes. Take cool classes. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, peace. thanks, guys. This was super fun.
I know we could talk another hour about the Muppets, but I'm sure people listening have uh, have things to do. Uh, <laughs> but this was great. And you can, of course, check out all their stuff on tuck, toughpicks.com. Yeah, yes, please do. And the podcast uh, that I co-host is Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast. I mean, that sounds great. Yeah. So moving right along, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the season premiere. I hope you tune in this season has a lot of great topics. You know, maybe I should, since it's the first episode, uh, next week I have Amanda Rosenberg here talking about streaming platforms and television. It's going to be a very exciting episode on TV, which I love. Uh, Coming up, we have stand-up comedy, adapting a musical. One of my collaborators is going to talk about uh, making a book a musical, Uh, choreography, talent agency, showbiz coaching, and search engine optimization. That's our career part of the season. Then we get into our serious topics, transparency culture, plantation vacation, and then we get into wellness, spirituality, and suffering, and we end the season with a great episode about being Jewish today. Uh, Hmm. Oi, I say oi to that episode. So you'll hear me next time right here on Millennials Are Ruining the World, question mark, and exennial perspective, real conversations bridging the gap between generations X and Y. I'm not woke, but I'm awake. Millennials are ruining the world, an exennial perspective.